0: Welcome to Diana Perkovic's Monday Moment in Five, Four, Three, Two, One.
1: Hello, everybody. It's Diana Perkovic, your host of Good Girl Mafia's Monday Moment in Five podcast. We are now in week five of Good Girl Mafia's summer book series, and this week's author is going to blow you away <laughs> with her life stories, her energy, and undoubtedly with her advice too. As a young designer in Paris during the swinging 60s, our guest met Elizabeth Taylor and married her makeup man. Our guest and Taylor became fast friends and confidants. Along with her Parsons School of Design's classmates, Mia, they opened a trendy trendy boutique in Rue Bonaparte that catered to the hip the happening, the fashion models, the movie stars, and Paris society. While in Paris, our guest met the great Coco Chanel, who became her mentor and advised her and Elizabeth Taylor to create their own signature perfumes. Our guest is credited with creating the miniskirt, hot pants, and the wrap dress. Yes, the wrap dress, and we will talk about that her pretty woman dress has sold at Bergdorf Goodman's for over 32 straight years, and she created the Bergdorf's Bridal Boutique. She is the longest lasting female designer in Paris. She is the author of The Absolute Woman. It's all about feminine power. And she is also our very special guest today, Vicki Teal. Vicki, are Uh-oh. you a sight for sore eyes or what? Hello, I miss you. Oh.
0: You too, Diana. We had so much fun together.
1: (laughs) Oh, did we ever? I will never forget the first time we met. And I don't think I've ever told you this before, but I launched Vicki with her beautiful line of dresses, and it's grown to so much more on HSN. And I was her first host. And after we got off the air, Vicki took one look at me and she said, you are one powerful woman. And I remember yeah. being so blown away by that, because at that time, Vicki, I was going through arguably the most difficult transition in my life, and to hear someone like you say that in, in such a meaningful way, it really touched my heart, and I will never forget it.
0: You're the only host that I've ever gone to dinner with after a show. I've never gone with anybody else but you, Oh. To, to- Right, that night, and we had a lot to talk about, and advice is one of my, I've been, I've been dressing naked women for 50 years, taking their clothes off, and the minute they take their clothes off, they start to cry, oh, I don't know, I need a new husband, oh, my husband, all the time, so I give advice, and I'm used to that, I'm used to women who really need advice, and you and I had a great night talking and giving advice to each other, it was wonderful, you knew all about HSN, and I was starting.
1: Oh, it was wonderful. It really was. I'm so glad you remember it as fondly as I do. And and we're on to your second book. You know how much I love your first book, but Vicki, we have to start by laying the backdrop for everyone because your life reads like a novel. So I would love it if you could give us <laughs> it is a fairy tale. It really is. So I need you to give us a snapshot of how things unfolded. How did you end up in Paris? How did you end up being one of Elizabeth Taylor's confidants on the Johnny Carson show? All of it. Just lay it out for us.
0: Years old at 20 years old. Yeah. Uh, what happened was that I was someone who always followed my dream. I wanted to be independent, and at 12 years old, I went to a posh high school in Washington, D.C. My dad was the IRS, one of the heads of the IRS. My mom was a painter, she's a stay-at-home mom, and I was a cheerleader in junior high and in high school, always finding the cutest boys and hanging out and always having fun, but I found that the clothes were horrible. So at 12 years old, I got a sewing machine, and I made my own clothes. And then I realized that my girlfriends in the high school would all want my clothes and I started selling them. I made skirts, I made loungewear, I made uh, we had potluck parties and I would make the the kimono, the bud that you would wear at the party and I sold it for $25. Everything was $25. Now in 1953 and 54 and 55, $25 is a lot of money. It was like maybe 500 today. But yeah. these were wealthy and I had my own money. I had my own telephone in my bedroom, and I had my name in the phone book, Vicki Teal, in the phone book. And people in school, I'd say, You want something from me? Call me, Vicki Teal. I'll answer the phone. I'll make you what you want. 12 years old. So I realized independence, having my own money, making my own things, deciding what I'm going to do, it all is all based on making my own money. And I write in my book, the second book, No Sex for Shoes. My mother wanted me to marry a nice, rich guy. And I said, no, Mommy, I'm the nice, rich guy. Mm. I'm making the money. I'm doing my own thing. And this is in the 50s. That philosophy that I had to be a powerful woman in the 50s took me into the 60s. And I went to college in Parsons School of Design in New York. I had to go to Paris where the fashion center was. I was determined. I had the money to go to Paris and study in the summers Parsons Paris. And I went. And immediately when I went there, I found the most gorgeous German boy you could ever imagine on a motorcycle. <laughs> and I left the school, ran off with a guy on a motorcycle. Oh, I my God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> only Vicky. Only Vicky. <laughs> I love
0: it. <laughs> what can I say? He was gorgeous. <laughs> so he takes me to Saint-Tropez. Of course he's going to take me to Saint-Tropez. So I saw the fashion revolution in, in the summer of Saint-Tropez in the 1971, 72, what years are these? No, 61 and 62, I'm seeing the, the revolution in fashion in Saint-Tropez. And guess who started it all? This is in my book, Bridget Bardot. Bridget Bardot made, and man create, God created a woman, and she changed every single thing in fashion. She was absolutely the most amazing woman, and that's what my book starts with, the fashion revolution, the sexual revolution. It all started with Brigitte Bardot. What a lady. And of course, when I opened my shop, it's my first customer.
1: Wow. <laughs> of course it is, naturally, because this this life reads like a novel. It really does. So, okay. So, so Brigitte Bardot is the first customer, the first person to walk to, th- through the door. Cut to Elizabeth Taylor, because she... Your friendship with Elizabeth is really, uh, it plays a really big role in your life. So how did you come to be, how did it happen that you and Elizabeth Taylor became such good friends?
0: Best friends. We com- we completed each other, and I'll explain that. I went to a wonderful high school in, in junior high in Chevy Chase, Maryland. I'm from Washington, D.C., and my parents are from the government. Very, very political government. Elizabeth went to MGM, She didn't go to high school. She didn't go to junior. She she wasn't a cheerleader. She was in MGM since she was eight years old and had no social life whatsoever. When I went to Paris, I was dating Woody Allen. I was doing the movie What's New Pussycat, my very first job. Three months out of fashion school, I'm already doing the costumes for a movie. And here's power. I turned to the people and I said, I want single screen credit. Wow. My first job, single screen credit and a driver. And I got both, we have to ask, you have to demand. So I got my first job, I'm in making the movie and who is across the hall but Elizabeth Taylor making a movie and she's wearing an old lady outfit. She's wearing a wool suit, covering her knees with a horrible jacket and she takes one look at me with my mini skirt with no clothes underneath with bare, bare thighs and high heeled shoes and a gorgeous tan. And she says, Oh, my God, I want that outfit. She goes across the hall and meets me. And I completely redo her wardrobe. Wow.
1: And 20 years. old, and, and that's where the friendship begins. And then you ended up partnering with her in business. I completed her. She
0: had no clue about boys. That's why she married all these guys. So we would sit down when we made movies, and we would sit and chat, and we would discuss the boys. You know, when you're a cheerleader, and you're a cheerleader in junior high and in high, you know everything about the boys. Mm -hmm. You you just know everything about them. (laughs) So I completed her. And she, of course, was 10 years older. And she knew everything about making money, being a strong woman. She was financially independent. She made her own deals. She would demand what she wanted on a movie. And I learned to run a business from her. And she learned social life with men, with me, how to be stronger.
1: Wow. And you married her makeup artist.
0: Yes, I did. He was was 15 years older. I was his third wife. He was Elvis's makeup man, and I also got to meet Elvis and hang out with the motorcycle boys that Elvis bought motorcycles from. And we all, I got a motorcycle, and I used to ride motorcycles all around Beverly Hills with the motorcycle boys. Had a good time.
1: Oh, yeah, had a good time. That's an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) Vicky's so, oh, I had a good time. That's amazing. That is is, uh, incredible. So now that we've set sort of set the the tone for everyone and and what an incredible life you've led. I have read and absolutely loved your first book. Anybody who follows me on uh, Instagram, if you go back in my feed, you will find me a couple of years ago. There's this picture of me in bed with my little my little multi-poo Romeo reading the book, and it, it's called All About the Dress. So if you love anything about Vicki so far, it is an absolute must read if you wanna learn more about Vicki. This book though, The Absolute Woman, it's about feminine power, it's different, Vicki, in that you share a lot of the wisdom you've learned and lived over the years. Why did you decide now is the time to write this book full of so much wisdom and life lessons?
0: The Me Too movement came about, and in my time in the Me Too movement, I, wanted, I had experienced a lot of men attacking me. I had experienced it, but what I have, a personal strength that I have is you don't mess with me. I, I'm making my own money. I don't need you for money. And in my book, I have a story of me and I going to do the James Bond movie, Costumes. And the producer's getting a massage in the George Sank Hotel in Paris. And he says, take off all your clothes. We said, we're doing the costumes. It was so weird. He just, every woman that came into the hotel room, his hotel room, take off your all your clothes. So Mia didn't take off her clothes. She's like, I'm the costume designer. And I said, oh, I've got a gorgeous body. I'm taking off. Oh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) And, of course, we got the job. I got to do the bathing suits for the movie. I don't have a fear of anything. I don't. Part of power is also just not being afraid. I tell it like it is. I answer back. I run the show. I've never had a job. I've never been employed. I've always owned my own company since I'm a child. Never had a job. Wow. Never had a loan. All I do is sell, take the money, put it in the bank, and make sure I never spent more than what I took in. My biggest lesson is my dad from the IRS. You take a piece of white paper, and you draw a line down the center, and you write in on one side and out on the other. And you write every single thing that comes in monthly and every single thing that goes out and at the bottom, you make it sure that the in has more than the out. You never need a loan. You never need anybody's money. You just make the in more than
1: the out. It sounds so simple, but that is huge, huge advice uh, to get, particularly as a young entrepreneurial woman. How did you find this um, mindset in the 50s? It, it was unusual then to be sure. Yes,
0: I had seen my mother have two husbands, and the first husband, my daddy, was married to her for only a year, and she, he had his savings to become a builder, and she took out his money from the bank and bought herself a, like the most expensive shoes in Washington. And he came back to the house and found that the money was gone, and it was on shoes, and they broke up. And I wrote from then on, and I have wanted t-shirts at HSN and everywhere, no sex for shoes. You don't. Do what my mother did. She lost her husband. No sex for shoes. You make your own money and you
1: buy your own shoes. Good advice. Make your own money, buy your own shoes, and buy your own plot of land, your own house, your own car, your own plane tickets, your own everything. This is the day and age that we are in and we should embrace it.
0: I started this in the 50s. How it started for me in the 50s, probably because my mother was such a beautiful woman. She had gorgeous husbands. She was very successful as a painter. She made no money. Mm -hmm. And she wanted me to be a man for money. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not doing what you did. I'm making my own money and I'm going to marry cute guys with motorcycles. I'm not marrying men that have money. I'm making the money and I want cute ones that fix things and build things and cook for me. They all have to cook and be chefs and you know, make love in a good way. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not marrying a
1: man for his money. I'm the money. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So Vicki, this book is about feminine power. And what is your definition of feminine power?
0: The number one thing that I learned in my life was from Elizabeth Taylor. The number one thing I tell it on television too, I was t- selling my perfume of two weeks ago and I was talking about this. Don't dance with crazies. If anybody's mean to you, if a man that you're going with or your son or your sister says something mean to you, here's what Elizabeth taught me. You look at them, you don't dance. You look at them and you roll your eyes and you move on, you ignore it. And she would always tell everybody, show me how you roll your eyes And I would roll my, everybody has to show them how you roll your eyes. Someone says, mean to you, a child in school is being bullied. Tell that kid to roll their eyes and move on. You don't dance. You don't dance with crazies. You move on and ignore them. You can still be friends with everybody that's mean to you. You just know, oh God, I'll correct them because I'm not dancing. That's the most important thing that a human being has to know. Don't dance.
1: I love that. And that that will save you. I'm I'm imagining right now an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old listening to this podcast, right? Imagine how altered life could be if you just take that one simple principle from Elizabeth Taylor and apply it to your life. Don't dance with crazies. How much heartache and strife and headache we would all save ourselves, Vicky.
0: Absolutely. I was so lucky at 20 years old. She was 10 years older than me, and that was the most important thing I've learned, and I've learned it all my life. I've owned my own company. When I have employees that are upset, they want more money. Generally, when I have the sewers and they want more money, I give them what they want. I just say, okay, I'm giving you the amount of money you want. Uh, Let's see if I can afford it. If I don't bankrupt and I can still have money in the bank, you can have it, but you have to do this for me. Anybody comes to the shop at 7 o'clock at night and we're closing and they want to stay open another hour and get a dress, you're staying open. Yes, ma'am, I will. So I generally give people and pay them the money they ask. Mm -hmm. Why not? But they, in turn, have to give to you. So life's lesson is you give and you get back. And the other important thing that Elizabeth taught me, and it's the second most important thing, is life is about helping other people. Number one thing. And all the money she made from our perfume business, her perfume business, it went to AIDS in Africa to help other people. Not for herself, not for the kids, not for the grandkids, not for mansions, no $45 million mansions in the, ha- in the family. AIDS in Africa to help the black people because she was one of the first people. Her manager was a black guy. This is night He was at our wedding. My girl that walked me down the aisle, my best lady, she was a black dancer. We were... We wanted immediately in the early 60s to have the black and the white Sidney Portier, His wife was my girlfriend. We, we wanted to mix the couples. What's the difference of all of us? We're all the same. We're all human beings. This was Elizabeth Taylor in the 60s.
1: Wow. What an incredible lady. Yes. What an incredible I was, lady.
0: I was blessed to be with her. And we were, she was blessed to be with me because I made her go out with Coco Chanel for dinner, we had, we had she she introduced me to Coco, and Coco became my mentor. And if we had not done that, Elizabeth, a hundred million dollars a year would not be going for AIDS.
1: White diamonds. Coco
0: told us to make perfume, and Elizabeth, said, I don't want to. I'm a movie star. I don't know. I know We're making perfume. Coco told us to make perfume. We're doing it. It's Coco. All right. Okay, Vicky. All right.
1: <laughs> and 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 here we are with white diamonds
0: to her we gave to each other we helped each other
1: wow life is
0: about people
1: life is about helping people
0: life is about you 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 and what can I do for you and then you get blessed as they say in the deep south where I have a home and out near Alabama I
1: was blessed, <laughs> I was blessed. <laughs> from from the from the you know the, the height of of Paris society uh, to the South, you're incredible. You're absolutely incredible. You dedicated, Vicki, a short- A mobile home park.
0: We live in a mobile home park. To have five homes, including a mobile home park in, in St. Pete near HSN.
1: Wow. I love it. I've got to come visit. I'm coming to visit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. Okay, Vicki, you dedicate a short space in the book um, to what you- Determine is not feminine power. And that I found, it was short but powerful. So now that we've kind of gotten a sense of what you think feminine power is, what is it not to you?
0: I think that uh, women wanting men that for un- any other reason than having that they're in love with them and they want them. The most important thing is we're couples. We're, we're a man and a woman. We have lives that that intertwine, and we were completed. All right, women can be like other women too. It's the same story. You're entwined with another human being. You're entwined, and life is about loving that person, giving that person space, get letting that person, uh, rolling your eyes and not being upset. Everybody's saying mean things. Everybody's not nice to each other. For some days, there's a bad mood. Why do we dance? Why do we react? We don't, we should not react. That's the most important thing, in the world and that's what's not power power is not fighting power is not being mean power is not being a boss power is love power is love power
1: is love yes wow that's that's huge vicky thank you thank you yeah yeah power is love your advice to dress clients that you learned over 50 years is this and i'm going to quote this from the book quote Love yourself, love every second of your life, be happy no matter what happens, it's God's will, and do not dance with anyone negative. Just smile at them and stay happy. If you make, if people make you unhappy, just avoid them. But if you can't, just smile and send them loving energy. Don't worry, eventually they give up their negative game and find others to dance with. The only thing that matters in life is to love yourself and be happy, and this way you will stop any negative thinking, forgive anything negative, and learn to let go and love others. And of course, for women, I advise, and I will let you know, girls, in the book, this is in all caps, always make your own money and work forever. Then you really can love yourself as you are the true boss of you. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: Me, right. And I'm going to work till I drop dead. I'm 75, and now I'm doing working on a TV series about our life. I'm not going to ever stop. Painters and artists, Matisse, Picasso, they paint until they die. If you really are happy, you work until you die. And I write also about a life part two job. When you retire at 65, you find what you love. Like my husband stopped working, but he really loves fishing, so he's now catching fish and he's working with a fish house. You know, always finding something that you love for the end of your life. Uh, my lady neighbor wants to loves her fruit trees and making jam. She's going to now have a, make a business and sell her jam in the local stores. Life part two job should be your total favorite thing that you love, and you should work until you drop dead. You, nobody should stop working. We should all work until we're, we're, we're in the, in the ground. It's my philosophy. Never, ever quit.
1: And you talk about three very, very famous women in the book, Coco Chanel, uh, Elizabeth Arden, and there was one more, uh, Helena Rubinstein, all di- all worked until they died and they lived on average longer than any other of the fashion designers.
0: Ten or 15 years longer, and uh, Helena Rubinstein created, went from the middle of uh, Asia or Europe near Russia, and she went to Australia and learned how to make creams and put them in pots. She created the beauty business, Helena Rubinstein. She went on boats and found, anyway, she was like free transport. I mean, she hadn't got a penny and at fifteen or sixteen, she's leaving Europe and going to become a, a beauty expert. Who who can imagine that? She ends up with a whole house of Picassos. There's a five story show show in Paris in the in the Jewish Museum, five floors of Elizabeth of, of Helena Rubinstein's art collection of Picassos and Mona. Everybody, how rich was this woman? <laughs> she she wanted to make creams.
1: And Cream. how old how old was she? You said.
0: I think she died at 86, but at 16, she leaves her European home, wow. goes on a boat to Australia to learn how to make creams. Wow. It's like me going at 12, getting a sewing machine, making my own money, making your own way and making your own money, following your dreams. That's the, the, the message, the big message I have. Now, back to being happy. I didn't continue what I was about being happy. The last part of my book is my diet. I talked about never being sick. Your diet, your diet and your happiness is going to keep you healthy. I'm always happy, and I eat I eat fresh fruits, fruits and vegetables all the time, and I don't eat packaged things. If you eat a good diet, a really fantastic French-European diet, you don't eat packaged products, you don't eat meat that's been injected, you don't eat bad things that you know are bad, but I can't help myself. If you eat correctly and you're always happy, you never get sick unhappiness causes illness the body goes the body suffers the happy all the time no matter what happens to you even when i crash cars i've crashed cars i've had all kinds of problems with driving I stay happy okay i'll crash the car <laughs> i'll find someone who'll drive me I'm not going to be upset about it and you're not making me upset everybody has to listen to that Be happy all the time. You'll never be sick. And if you're already sick, try to be happy all the time. Change your diet. Eat red, purple, and blue fruits and vegetables a day. It's in my book. And the color red, purple, and blue as opposed to white, number one color is purple and blue. Eat that all day long, five to seven fruits and vegetables a day, the Chinese herbal system. And the Chinese doctors believe that cleans your body up.
1: I've always had the best success with Chinese doctors, always. Yes. Yes. They're incredible. They, they,
0: they live, it's it's natural, me, natural medicine. But the number one thing they tell me is to be happy all the time. Always be happy. Don't, if you're unhappy, that causes cancer. Unhappiness definitely causes cancer.
1: You give a lot of advice also on men in the book, as you have been since, you know, your days with Elizabeth Taylor and, you know, all of the women that, that you've dressed Uh, Your first husband was 15 years older. Your second husband is 15 years younger. And you lead a very, you've led a very different life with both of them. Interestingly, your advice in the book to me, this is how I sort of took it. It all boils down to one thing, which is know thyself. And you talk about choosing early in life which type of partner you are, to friends, to husbands, a side-by-sider, or a piggybacker. So can you talk a little bit about both of them and define them for us? Yes. There, I call there's two types of
0: relationships, piggybackers and side-by-siders. I have to be a side-by-sider because I travel too much. And everybody in show business and in, in fashion business, we travel all the time. So you can never be with the other one. My mother was a piggybacker. She never was away from my dad for a day. Everywhere he went, she went. They had to go to dinner together every night. She couldn't live any other way. If she he went away for a, a walk around the block, she'd uh, to get the dog and walk around the block behind him. I mean, she was a crazy piggybacker. There's combi- There could be in the middle, but in general, you divide it into two things. Find your match. Find a piggybacker. If you worry, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? I got to be with him. I got to be with him. I don't think about that. I don't think about where he is. It's none of my business where he is. He's going to be mine. He's mine. You know, we, we committed to each other, but where he is is not my business. I'm the I'm exact not gonna-
1: same way. I have to be honest with you. I can't with the all the time. It's like, I need my space, too. Like, I don't need to know where you are all day. I trust that you're doing what you're supposed to do. And guess what? I'm busy, too. So you don't need to be on me all the time, either, because I have things to do. I'm a very busy girl. There's going to
0: be men that are going to go so crazy that you were like that, and you can't marry them, you can't be with them. And you need to find that out right away in the first day. I also believe that you that you fall in love with the person that you're in love with, that's your per- partner pretty much right away. The, the two husbands I had, I fell in love with them the day I met them, and the younger boyfriends as well. There's a connection. There's a vibe that goes back and forth, and even if that person is like, oh, my God, I'm attracted to that, okay, you're attracted to that. There's the vibe. You either have the vibe or you don't. Then when you see if you have the vibe, make sure they're not going to call, it, where were you? Where were you? If anybody ever says that to you in the beginning, you got to split. If you're the kind of person that has to be independent and on your own, a side-by-sider and a piggybacker, uh, find that out right away,
1: ladies. Good advice. Good advice. And also, uh, to stay on the theme, Vicki, of know thyself a little longer, if if we can, In the book, you write, quote, Being yourself is not as easy as it may seem. All of us are subject to the expectations of society and our families. How we feel about this, the decisions we make, are what makes us different. It's what makes us, well, us.
0: No people are alike. Every single human being, every single dog, every single bird, every snake. We live in Florida, we have snakes, they're all different. They have different personalities, they have different things. They eat this this kind of grass or they like this kind of bird, or everybody's different. And to be trying to conform and push people in any direction, or even push yourself, let it flow. Be yourself. Flow and be happy. Be yourself.
1: There's some parts in the book where you, t- you, you actually call up a girlfriend of yours who you've known since you were a young girl, and I cannot remember her name for the life of me. Who is it? Mary Alice. That's it. Thank you. Okay. And you call her up and you say to her, am I really not sensitive? How, is that really true? Because nothing really <laughs> just seems to get to you, but that is truly who you are. Yes,
0: she, uh, when we went to Fashion school in Parsons, and this is going to be in the Netflix movie or we, Netflix or whoever gets to make the movie, but I arrived from Washington, D.C., a cheerleader. Opposite me is Mia Fonsegreeves, the daughter of Irving Penn, and Lisa Fonsegreeves, the most famous model in New York City. And sitting at the end of the table is a short, heavy lady with a great big smile and a weird hippie hairdo, everything hippie jewelry on her. She works in a jewelry store, and she becomes a shrink. Oh we all gosh. friends forever and ever. The shrink is there analyzing everybody. And she's the straight A student on a scholarship. Mia's wealthy. I'm, you know, wealthy. And there's this girl is paying for everything on a scholarship, rolling her eyes and being the shrink. And we're all still girlfriends. It's amazing.
1: I love that. It, find, find your people, it, right? Find your people. Find
0: your people, know who loves you and, and, and give your all to them. And I always call her up. And she does tell me, yes, I'm not sensitive. Having to work at Bergdorf Goodman for 35, 40 years, dressing all these women—the high, you know—I dressed all the presidents' wives, Mrs. Trump, the the two Trumps, the many of the the Mrs. Biden. I did her inaugural dress. Go all the way back to society in Europe, the princesses, and all of that. Working with these top women all over all my life, I found. A very interesting knowledge that when they buy a dress for me, and Coco had the same thing. If you want to meet Coco Chanel, she's not going to dinner with you. She's not going to go to society parties and and socialize. You want to meet Coco? $10,000, come to the Rue Cambon, I'll measure you, and I'll, I'll sketch it, and I'll make you a dress. I took on that. Come to my dressing room at Bergdorf, and I'll talk to you. And I had such conversations. I had such wonderful times. And, but What did I do basically? I gave them advice. Oh my God, I'd touch their skin and I'd say, are you drinking diet soda? Because you can see the skin on the nude women that are drinking diet soda. It's different. The diet soda skin is different than the Coca-Cola skin. It's got lumps in it. They put things in there to puff you up. Uh, I, I help them with their bodies and then I help them with their souls. I, I talk to them about their men and their love life. Where did I learn this from? Elizabeth Taylor. Everybody that she met, all she wanted to do was to help them. Every single person that woman would meet, she would help. Unbelievable. So I made that my mission too. You come into my dressing room, I'm going to help you, I'm going to talk to you, and they open up their souls to me. I even had this one woman, I write about it in the book, and she was crying and carrying on in the dressing room. I said, "What happened?" She said, "I own the World Trade Center." She owned the World Trade Center, and she's crying. It had just been bombed. I said, "Oh my God, my poor woman! How terrible!" And she was in her bra panties, waiting to have you know order a dress for a, her granddaughter's bar mitzvah. I said to her, "What can I do? Oh my God, what can I do for you?" And she said, "I don't know. I don't know what I want. I can't take this." All I want is a good sandwich from Paris. (laughs) She wanted a sandwich from Paris. I said, that's all you want? She said, yes, I I want the French bread and I want to have a cheese sandwich with French mustard and I can't get to Paris, I'm stuck here and my life is terrible and they're only gonna pay the insurance on one of the two buildings. They're not gonna pay for both buildings and I've gotta have a French sandwich. And I said, would you believe it? A girl is coming with dresses. She's gonna be flying over I'm going to have her go get a French sandwich, and we'll take it to your hotel. She's flying in with dresses tomorrow, and we'll bring the the, the sandwich to your hotel. She stopped crying. It was the end of the sorrow of the World Trade Center. Wow. She was going to get a sandwich from Paris.
1: Wow. What do you make of that?
0: She's got everything in the whole world. She's one of the richest women with 10,000 rentals in Manhattan. And she wants a cheese sandwich. Wow. Not it's
1: going very, to make her happy. Not very happy, huh?
0: No. Money doesn't buy you happiness. All these women, know Money doesn't buy you happiness. Money buys you more and more and more. Happiness comes from within, Elizabeth. Happiness comes from within. Happiness comes from helping other people. I got happy. I got to get her a cheese sandwich. I got happy. Mm. Hel- comes from helping other people happiness is
1: not from me 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 wow that's the best advice that is really the best advice and it's amazing how when you I think sometimes people get it they, they misconstrued the whole notion of if it feels good do it I think they think like, actually, like it feels good, like an orgasm. That's not necessarily, it's if it feels right. If you're finding fulfillment, you got her a cheese sandwich. It felt right and good to you. And it brought you some sort of fulfillment to be able to do this for someone else. And I think that's a quote unquote feeling that we need to chase as women.
0: Happiness is about helping, if we can come away with one other thing besides not be uh, not dance with crazies, the other lesson I had and the great lesson from Elizabeth was helping other people. Every single person that came into her world, she would help. She was against, she would even Princess Margaret. Princess Margaret had dinner. We used to have lunch at the hotels. And at the lunch, you never knew who was going to be there. There'd be a movie director. There'd be um, uh, Princess Margaret and her assistant. And then there'd be her driver, karate champion, Gaston Sands. She'd put her driver next to Princess Margaret, of course. Then there'd be the black manager, Bob Wilson. He'd be there too. So we've got it all going. And then we've got two gay guys. She was one of the first people to have two gay men. At there, and they were in love. You know, her, the gay. Uh, he was uh, the head of MGM's uh, MGM's manager's secretary, but they were not officially that way. Well, Elizabeth, that's official. That's the couple. They're a gay couple. Gay is great. It's just so the table of twenty people for lunch at the Dorchester Hotel, all mixed. Everybody having to deal with each other. No snobs. Nobody's better than anybody else.
1: I like it.
0: This woman taught me everything. Wow. I can live in a trailer park, and I have a home on the river in Paris, and I've got a farm, and I've got a cabin, and I've got a trailer park home.
1: Amazing.
0: <laughs> and Elizabeth had a trailer park home, too, with Larry and a, a motorcycle in front. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love you girls. Amazing. Really, really amazing. You know, I've I there's that saying that goes around that say everything I need need to know I learned from books and travel. I've added a third one to that. I say everything I need to know I've learned from books, travel, and the third one, being around people with whom I seemingly have nothing in common. Because we all have a lot in common. You, when you put yourself around people with whom you don't really have the same life experience or the same mindset or the same, you know, nationality or whatever it is, that's so enriching in life.
0: Yes, everybody. I call it everybody. I think we have to mix with everybody. We don't just hang out in, in high society. Now, Coco Chanel was not that. Coco was. It was a different time in the forties and the fifties, and Coco was not me. But she did t- teach me many things, and she made me make a perfume. I don't ever have to worry in my life. I made a perfume. Oh, my God. She was right. Perfume always sells. And my perfumes have been selling and selling. They sell my perfume, in a, a men's perfume, Ulysses and Achilles. They sell it in Afghanistan. What? My, perf- my Yeah, my men's perfume sells in Afghanistan. I see these writings, and I say, oh, my God, and my son who travels the world, and I said. Richard, what what writing is that? They're selling it and they're advertising it on the internet. And he says, mom, that's
1: Afghanistan. Oh, my God. I perfume's all over
0: the world, all over the world, thanks to Coco. I listen to her. And when anybody gives you advice that's really been there and done that, listen to that advice. I recommend that.
1: I love it. I love it. Let's talk about uh, the two types of people you believe make up the world the fearful, and the fearless. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> if you could only see the expression on Vicky's face right now, she's
0: like, that's for sure. <laughs> when I was a cheerleader in high school, they had things called potlucks. The potluck in BCC, my high school, they were like everybody had to meet at the table in the lunchroom and there would be a table maybe had 15, so all the 15 girls in the potluck would meet, and the other potluck would meet, and the other potluck would meet, and then there'd be a table of girls who couldn't get in in any potluck. They were weirdos, or they were intellectuals, or they were not attractive and badly dressed, but there was always a table or two of those girls. I was a cheerleader. I didn't join any of the potlucks. Every lunch I went from table to table to table including the regular girls and the girls who didn't belong to anything and I would sit with everybody. I would sit with the fancy girls, I would sit with the beauty queens. Every day at lunch I'd have a different table. I was the only person that had the nerve, the courage, the balls, (laughs) but I wanted to be friends with everybody. I'm the cheerleader. Are you coming to the game? Uh, you know, we've got to root this one. That's playing a hard school. And so that was my excuse, but it really wasn't. I wanted to be friends to everybody.
1: I love that. I really love that for years, Vicki. It was just common knowledge, quote unquote, common belief that DVF, Diane von Furstenberg invented the wrap dress and it has been fact checked and fact checked and fact checked. And in fact, it was you, Let's discuss how. I mean, that's one issue—the fact that that happened. But what I want to talk about is how you handled this, because I think that there are so many lessons and so much wisdom there. Because here is—you know—the whole world believes Diane von Furstenberg invented this dress, when in fact it was you.
0: The the word wrap is complicated. There were people who made a dress that crisscrossed on the top in the 1920s and 30s, but it didn't have the wrap skirt and tie and wrap around. It just had the front crisscross. That's not a wrap dress. Then we had uh, a lady who made a dress called the popover. She made an apron-shaped dress that was an A-line, and she also had the top crisscross over, but she didn't have the wrap skirt with a seam at the waist. The wrap skirt, the wrap dress. With the seam at the waist, the set-in seam, the draping, and the skirt that drapes around and crosses over into a, a tie was me and Mia, my partner, Mia and Vicki. We did that in 1968. We were in Red Book Magazine and we were in Bloomingdale's windows. When Diane Van Furstenberg three or four years later created a business, she was in college when we made the wrap dress. She opened a business with a wealthy husband She married a wealthy husband, and she hired a Vicky or a Mia to be her designers, her her drawers. She didn't draw. She didn't sew. She didn't make dresses at 12 years old. She was a wealthy woman, like many of the society women who own fashion companies. And they hire me, a girl like me, to draw for them. So poor woman, she didn't know her drawer makes a dress, and she says, I've invented this, I've invented this. She didn't invent nothing. Her drawer saw it in the Bloomingdale windows and copied it and made it for her. But she publicized it. So what do I do? Do I sue her? No. Do I get mad about it? No. Do I dance with crazies? No, I do nothing. What did I do? I did nothing. I All my life I make the dress, I make it and I sell it. It's even been selling at HSN. I make it all my life and I don't care. I made it for 50 years. I made money all my life on that dress. The same with the pretty woman dress. You don't fight. You don't get mad at anybody. You don't sue people over things like that. It's her karma. She made a mistake. Sadly, now, the Internet, everybody knows. And it's it's fine. It's it's fine. You don't get mad at anybody. I don't sue. It's against my policy. I sue nobody, ever, ever, ever. No such thing. I, think I leave that's- it to the
1: I I think that that's a huge lesson to leave it to the higher powers as you just said because so many people I think would have saw red when that happened and gotten so angry and again it goes back to you know be your own boss make yourself happy don't dance with crazies Vicky I am doing a a whole clothing line I have to do a shirt that says don't dance with crazies
0: Yes I asked HSN and they wouldn't, I wanted that and no sex for shoes and they never made it. And that's sad, but those are, those are important slogans. They're in my book and anybody can make it. It's important lessons that have to be
1: out there. Well, with your permission, I would like to do it and we will talk about it further, but I, I would love your permission to, to do don't dance with crazies. Please Vicki say yes. Yes, sure. Sure. Yes. Yes. Sure. And then you'll be my model.
0: Now, I've got one other thing. Tell me. I dress for, in 1979, for a young, beautiful 17-year-old that wanted to be a movie star she, in Cannes. She went to the Cannes Film Festival with the son of the richest man in France. She was beautiful. Her name, oh my gosh, what is her name? I forgot her name. But anyhow, she wore this dress, and she went to Cannes, and she becomes a movie star. She becomes the femme, la femme Nikita. The dress was uh, in short and green. I then start, started selling to Giorgio's in Beverly Hills. Now, in 1982, that's three years later, I sell the dress to Giorgio, and in five years, he's now selling it in long, and he's draping the sleeve. Then he makes it in red. And it's in the window from 1985 to 1990 when somebody looks at that dress and says, oh, what a perfect dress for Julia Roberts for Pretty Woman. They copy my dress out of the window of Giorgio, and they put it in Pretty Woman, and I don't get credit. The dress has been selling since 1979. This is 1990. Same dress, selling all these years. What do I do when I see the movie Pretty Woman? I went, oh, my God, that's my dress. I'll call it Pretty Woman. I won't call it Sade anymore or Torrid when it's strapless. I'm going to call it Sade. I'm going to call it Pretty Woman. I got to sell that dress from 1990 till today. The wealthiest woman in New York who goes out every single day just bought it. How many years have I sold that dress? I didn't sue. I got blessed. You don't sue. You just get blessed.
1: Wow. Wow, wow. You know, it, it's you say that bad things, and I think this is a great point, great time to to pick up on this. You say bad things have been your life motivation, and you write, and again, ladies, this is in all caps. This is what Vicki writes in the book. Make a list of your worst moments and draw an arrow to where they led you. When the <laughs> next horrible moment arrives... Count that moment as a blessing and imagine the gift. Imagine where you are going and promise yourself to go there. Draw an arrow to where the, this worst moment took you. And look at that. Diane von Furstenberg wrap dress, pretty woman, the red dress. And look at where it has taken you. All my
0: life selling that dress did i did i get blessed because i didn't sue her i think so i don't believe in suing people because that's anger that's it, it's, it's putting an emphasis on it i'm just flowing i don't need to be an angry i don't need to stop and and do that i go oh oh too bad oh you know they should have given me credit but whatever and i just flow so everybody ladies if you're listening to this don't get upset about anything don't sue anybody when i had a divorce with my first husband I was lovely. I never sued him. I never got mad at him. What did I get? I got a young guy 30 years younger. <laughs> Just
1: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. But it—it it, listen, it doesn't serve anyone to get that angry and to get, I've, I think, I believe, because I was the same way with my divorce. Didn't sue, didn't want, like, I, I just, it wasn't my style because I don't want to get stuck in that, Vicky. And I don't think that it was, that wasn't for me. It wasn't my jam. I didn't want to live that way because I realized it just gets you stuck.
0: We're all different, but we can all learn a lesson. I learned a lot when I grew up at 20 from Elizabeth. I learned from Coco. I've learned from other ladies that I've dressed. I really feel that we can learn, even if you're late, ladies, if you're out there and you're 60 and 70 like me, you can listen to this and you can learn. If you're upset about something, if you're eating the wrong foods, if you're always upset and you and you get cancer, you can get over it. You can, you can beat the cancer. Just be happy every single second of your life. Never be upset about anything. Change your diet and and watch and see. You don't need to get chemo and radiation. You need to be happy.
1: Your best Elizabeth Taylor story. Your favorite. If if you can pick one.
0: Turquoise feather. The turquoise
1: feather. Tell everybody about that. I wanted to make a perfume
0: once I got to HSN. I was with you there. Where we were selling dresses, and I had decided with the recession in 08 and '10, I'm leaving Bergdorf Goodman. I'm not going to come and make dresses for ladies anymore. I'm going to be on HSN. Uh, just a voice in my head. When you, it's over. We couldn't have that many clients, and television's a new thing. I'm going to sell on television. I'm going to make my clothes. I'm on TV for four or five years, and I realized that I could sell perfume on TV. Coco had said, "Perfume is forever." I'm going to. There's a huge audience in HSN. I'm going to sell perfume. They told me you can't sell perfume on TV. It's impossible. They can't smell it. We have only had one lady, Marilyn Manson, ever selling perfume on TV. I said, "Please give me a chance." And they said, "Well, okay, Vicki, but we're going to try." But I don't believe it's going to work. I go out on the balcony of my of my cabin upstate New York in the mountains. It's a brown cabin. I'm in the woods. And I'm out there and I decide to pray. And I turn to the skies and I say, please, God, please let me sell a perfume on TV. And what happens? God, or Elizabeth Taylor, up there sends a turquoise ostrich feather about four inches long out of the sky and it lands on the deck by my foot.
1: There's a photo of it in the book, by the way. There's a photo of it. There's a picture of that feather in the book.
0: There's it lands on my deck There's no turquoise ostrich feather. Even on the ground, there's no turquoise ostrich. But I had made her a pink ostrich feather dress to wear with Richard singing on stage in UNICEF in Paris. So ostrich was a connection. But the turquoise, why? It was the color of my first perfume bottle that I did with her. That same turquoise color. She sent the turquoise feather from the sky and it landed on my foot. I tell the people at HSN, they all roll the, you know, oh my God, Vicki. I go on air, Regis Philbin calls in when in the first five minutes, oh Vicki Joy and I love your new perfume we sold 5,000 bottles in an hour. 5,000 bottles that's what you sell when if you're on for uh, half a day. Uh, today's special is 20,000 and that's all day long. 5,000 bottles, boom, like that mm-hmm. so I feather from Elizabeth was the greatest gift. And now I love selling perfume. And I love I love my uh, eight years on HSN.
1: Well, we love you, Vicki. And I, I know I know that y- your room is going to be taken up by a book club any moment. Uh, because it's been an hour. I can't believe it
0: is coming in. They, so far, they are very sweet to me. This is a little town in upstate New York. And it's got um, charming little people and everybody's thrilled. I'm a writer in the town and they all are very nice to me and and lovely so that we're we're fine well you know, and and so you're
1: and you're nice to everyone though too Vicky you you really are a special lady and i and again i will never forget the first time we met and how incredibly gracious you were to me and how you spoke you breathed a little bit of life into me with those kind powerful words that that you spoke to me and it was the right person it that's my Turquoise feather, if you will. It was the right person at the right time that just came out of nowhere and had this beautiful, uplifting, honest conversation. So I'm forever grateful to you.
0: It's my pleasure, sweetie. You're.
1: Incredible. Merci, merci, rien You are something. You truly are something. And and I'm I'm hoping that that we can do this again sometime because you're incredible.
0: Why, thank you, dear. Thank you.
1: Yeah, we will definitely do this again. See, folks, this is why I needed to have Vicki Teal on the Monday Moment in five podcasts because here at Good Girl Mafia, we do believe that it takes a badass to be a good girl and we never forget about other girls. And I truly feel that Vicki Teal, she just, she embodies that. And so I hope you have enjoyed this week five of our summer book series here at Good Girl Mafia. The book is called The Absolute Woman. It's all about feminine power from Vicki Teal. Oh, little side note, one of the things that I loved so much about the book, of course, there's photos of Vicki and Elizabeth Taylor and, and just throughout the book, but what you'll find are Vicki's drawings, her sketches of clothes, and she'll tell you who wore it, where they wore it, what year, and one of the things that I enjoyed so much about the book was going, for example, when I saw Halle Berry's dress 2006 Cannes Film Festival, and I would go to the computer and Google Halle Berry 2006 Cannes Film Festival, and there you see Halle Berry in the very dress that is sketched out in the book. So it's just one of the fun things I think you'll enjoy about the book. If you want to be uplifted, if you want to be encouraged, empowered, and entertained, which is what we want to do here for you at Good Girl Mafia, pick up the the book you will absolutely love it. Uh Vicky, you're you're working on a TV series right now about your life. You are looking for a TV agent to do the TV show and a showrunner here as well. So we're just going to put that out there.
0: Yes. Uh, and hopefully a woman, you know, a woman uh agent I would love that. But uh we'll see. I have this uh book uh outlined 10 scripts already done uh, not just completed, but outlined. And um, everybody who's looked at it said yes. So-
1: Amazing. Of course. Well, Vicki, we look forward to seeing your life come to the big or small screen. And thank you very much There's- for being our There's- guest today. <laughs> it's the book club. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Vicki. There she goes. Vicki Teal, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here today again on our Good Girl Mafia. Uh, podcast Monday moment in five. I love hearing from you. So you can always visit us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at good girl, mafia at Diana Perkovic. I, love hearing from you. If there's anything you want me to podcast about, you can let me know there. or Just go to our website, www.goodgirlmafia.com. And you are going to find that shirt. Don't dance with crazies. We're going to have that on our website, goodgirlmafia.com. Have a great week, everybody.